not talking about it then maybe gives your kids room to forge their own opinions, their own independent relationship with food without all of these qualifiers that ultimately can be really harmful, really, at the end of the day. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding kids. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Hey, before we get into this week's topic, I want to give a shout out to our community. As a reminder, we offer a free community space where everybody shares meal plans, tried and true recipes, tips and wins. I mean, if you're like, oh my God, I only have a can of chickpeas and a garlic clove, you can post and people will actually give you answers of what you can make. It's awesome. And if you're able to contribute to Didn't I Just Feed You, you can join a supporting membership which comes with tons of additional perks, including two bonus episodes every month that are so juicy, you guys. They're so juicy. Find out more about your options and how to join at didn'tijustfeedyou.com backslash community. And listen, if you can't join our community right now or become a supporting member, we know if you still love us though, (laughs) not a nice little guilt trip, you can always support Didn't I Just Feed You just by leaving a rating or review. That's huge to us. Even just telling your friends about us is huge and we would really deeply appreciate it. Okay. Yes. This way. Let me go. Can we go on a side journey? I promise it'll come back around. Uh, Our friend Olivia Lopez, who helped us do some Canva design work for our social where we're at, didn't I just feed you? She had this great post and I don't know if she made it into a reel or was just in her stories recently about how uh, there's like unethical copywriting. And I feel like what you just did where you're like, if you really love us, you'll do this for us. I did that. Falls into the category of unethical. Even if I acknowledge that it's a guilt trip, which I did. Maybe. I don't know. You clearly are embraced by... (laughs) Immigrant parents. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a good that Catholic. I don't know. There's a lot childhood of childhood is <laughs> unethical <laughs> copywriting. Everything that was ever said to me growing up. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But so I, let's I only it. share let's that correct me. to say no, 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 no. I only share that to say I feel like it kind of hear me out here relates to the topic that we're going to talk about oh, today. What? Okay. <laughs> yes, not following, like, but I love you. The ways that language and labeling can give us guilt trips even when we don't need them. There you Is that too far go. of a reach? For no, I think that's like part of definitely the part of the conversation. So, all right. Fast food, junk food. How do you feel when I say to you, Fast food, Phyllis, drive throughs hot fries, milkshakes, burgers. I don't feel any way. Food. I feel kind of neutral because okay. here's where it gets dicey. I'm saying it about myself. I love that stuff. I love going to Shake Shack and getting a burger and a milkshake. But if you said Shake Shack, McDonald's, like then I start to have some feelings and some judgments. So that's where it is for me, as opposed to the actual foods, it's themselves. Like I like, I like making French fries and milkshakes and burgers at home too. Like those foods, not that I don't have feelings about those foods versus quinoa, which I'm going to, I would describe as like 
healthier. You know, so like there's a lot to unpack there. How about you? How do you feel about fast food and junk food? We did an episode. We did a lot of talking before we hit record today. Yes. Just to make sure that this episode like was what we wanted to serve up, so to speak. And we were talking about the fact that we haven't really tackled this in a very long time. We're in episode almost 200. Yeah, we're like at 190. I think this is 192. Okay. And in okay. episode, I think 52 or 54, something like that, we did yeah. an episode on how we talked to our kids about junk food. And I think it's changed for both of us, which is why we decided to hit record. 1000%. And we, at one point in like episode three of the first batch of episodes we ever recorded that never aired, you yeah. guys, there's somewhere in a secret vault. <laughs> I I know I still have the audio, but we were like, I don't. Dangerous. These are boring because we're still getting to know each other. Let's jump right into juicy stuff. And so we, instead we started, didn't I just feed you with the episode with Catherine McCord talking about school lunches and we never circle back to yeah. like the, the, the conversation about fast food. Um, and I think that there's like two parts to it, which is how I, my exposure to fast food growing up. And then also like how I feed my family fast food now, um, which I just want to touch on. We won't belabor it because that's not the conversation that we're getting into. But I grew up where McDonald's was like a treat. Like there wasn't money to be spent at McDonald's. And so if we even drove through and got like French fries or a Happy Meal or a soda, that was like a big deal with my mom. Like she just did not. Which is really interesting when you know that my mom was a single mom. She was working to feed it. Like, I also think there's some like access thing. Like yeah. it was, we came home from school on the bus and then she was getting home and making us dinner. She wasn't necessarily going to take extra time to go through a drive through and do fast food. Um, and I definitely have, like you do, the things, because you say there's a distinction between like Shake Shack and like McDonald's yeah. maybe for you. Yeah. Where like, we uh, we do Chick-fil-A. That's like the one drive-through that we go to. And I have a lot of feelings about that and we can dive into that or maybe we won't. That's part of the conversation. Uh, but like we don't do McDonald's. We don't do Taco Bell. We, do, we did taco time when we lived on the West Coast. I do love their rolled tacos. So delicious. But I even personally had a a recent like shame spiral where one of Ella's friends came home with us on a Friday afternoon. It was unplanned for, so I didn't have like a quote unquote healthier meal planned for us. We had just done pizza. So we did Chick-fil-A drive-thru and I was, I text my in real life best friend Patty and was like, I'm having a shame spiral. Cause I just, without knowing anything about this other kids, like family and diet, fed her yeah. fast food yeah. on a Friday night. I did that recently by accident. By accident. I mean, my kids are yeah. older, but they were home and Oliver had a play date. And Isaac was like, I really want to order uh, Taco Bell. And I was like, well, ask mm-hmm. your brother. Like I was working. It was like a, you know, one of those like weekday yeah. office school where the teachers are. And in service. Thank day. you. Yes. And I wasn't really thinking. And Oliver and his friend place their order and Isaac placed the order for them because I wasn't eating with them. And then I was like, Oh my God, I just want to talk about for a kid. I don't know. Like in our community, it felt like, am I in trouble? Like, was that, 
bad yeah. has this cat ever eaten Taco Bell? Like, what have I just done? Yes, this is the, the shame spiral I Oops. went on. And then, of course, like we dropped her off and her parents were like, oh, my God, she probably loved that. That was such a treat. We do that on road trips a lot. you're like oh okay so we do that like (laughs) once a month just because we want to (laughs) also if i could have had it delivered it but we were like not in the delivery zone i would have done it i would not have driven the like extra 15 minutes to go drive through chick-fil-a okay so it was helpful context to hear you grew up my version is i actually grew up eating quite a bit of fast food yeah so i ate it at least once a week my mother was extremely judgmental of it, but it was convenient. And so once a week, like it was the day that I had Greek school or something like where it was late and my mom was a hairdresser. So she worked standing on her feet. She doesn't love to cook. It's not her thing. So we would stop at Burger King on the way home every Tuesday or whenever it was. And then the way that we ate at home, even was it wasn't when it wasn't explicit, like definitely there's a dichotomy. Like I wasn't allowed to have soda. I wasn't allowed to have sugar cereals. I wasn't even allowed at one point to have like Jif peanut butter because it had sugar in it. So at home was like one thing. And then every Tuesday she's stopping at Burger King. So that's weird and plays (laughs) mind games, plays games on your mind when you're young. And then when I went to high school, Like almost every day I ate at Taco Bell. I was a vegetarian at that point. So it was like the easiest fast food to get without meat. So, and then all through college, there was a McDonald's. I used to go to McDonald's like late night in college and get a cheeseburger without the meat and fries and then put the French fries in the middle of it. That was like one of my favorite meals. That was one of my favorite freaking meals. We used to do that a lot. So I ate a ton of fast food. So it's funny because I feel like then when we start to talk about our attitudes about feeding fast food to our kids, you and I kind of swap places a little bit. Yeah. Interesting. So tell us. So, but I also want to point out like an observation yeah. about you. Let's do Ooh, this. It's not weird. Like it. I'm going to psychoanalyze you. That two years ago when we recorded yeah. the way we talked to our kids about junk food, you had like very distinct points. I don't remember them exactly, but in general, I know that like you don't love or you didn't love the idea of like your kids eating a lot of processed food, especially fast food. Isaac didn't even try fast food until he was maybe 12, literally like 12 years, nothing, road trips, nothing, not a single touch of fast food to his mouth. That's wild. I cannot relate. Yeah. Okay. So yes. So I'm affirming what you're saying about me. But what I have observed in the last year, maybe, maybe it's longer than that. Maybe it's like the last two years. Like you will just casually mention like, oh, Isaac ordered Taco Bell and you have no, there's no qualifier, which you used to do. Like you used to be like, I feel, and you know how I feel about that. Or like, and I didn't want him to do it, but like, yes. You have come to a much more neutral place on the, on fast food and junk food in general. Like we joke, oh, Isaac's not going to eat dinner because he's just going to have Doritos and a zebra cake at, or a box of zebra cakes at 11 PM. And like, you're like, that's okay. Like I'm, 
divorcing myself from my feelings about that. Yeah. So this is part of this conversation. Yeah. This is right. Like there's a whole lot of stuff for me. You've been very influential in having me reflect on diet culture and how much it was an ingrained part of how I think. I have been, you know, like there's a lot of stuff we've all been reflecting on over the last couple of years. And there's certain topics and like social issues and privileges that a lot of us feel like very comfortable examining. And then there are ones that we're like, mm, I'm not going to. Mm. So one of the ones that I've been like, mm, I'm not going to think about that one. I'm just going to hope it kind of subsides and I become a better, more like kind person to myself and in my thoughts about myself and other people is fat phobia. And a couple of months ago, I decided like, I'm going to like reflect on this in a more intentional way. And that's been really interesting. The pandemic and pandemic cooking and cooking exhaustion. So I've lived a life where I, ever since I've had kids, I've also had privilege enough to like work from home and not worry about having grocery insecurity. And like, so there's a lot of like, I'm just going to make it homemade and like, I can go to the farmer's market and I can do this. The pandemic, even people who continue to have that privilege, I think there are a lot of us, me, I'll speak for myself, who even with all that privilege, I'm freaking done. I'm freaking done feeding everybody everything. I don't want to go to the supermarket and to the farmer's market. It's you talked recently on an episode about how you used to love grocery shopping and now it's full of anxiety for you. So that is a factor. And then having teenagers and like really letting go and realizing that like, I have to let go. Like I, I, I feel good that I did my job. I didn't do it perfectly. There's lots of stuff I feel guilty and bad about. And there's lots of stuff I did well. And now like he has to feed himself and he has to be on his own a little bit. All of those things have conspired to have me beg the question should we stop talking about fast food and junk food altogether and like qualifying like, well, like if you want to make it healthier, or like all those little caveats that you said that I used to make all the time that I've stopped making as much. It's a very intentional thing that I'm doing that's still hard for me in my heart, <laughs> in my soul, but I don't want it to be hard anymore. Should we even be talking about this? I mean, I think that's a really great question. And we did uh, an episode in the last year with our private listeners community where we took a conversation that we had with a guest to discuss why we don't label things and we don't talk about this being healthier or this being a healthy option or this being healthful on the show. And a lot of it has to do with one fat phobia, yes. diet culture, racism, and classism, yep. and wanting to create a space on Didn't I Just Feed You for all types of families. And we maybe we can't do that or can't say that we're doing that if we're always going to say, well, don't give your kids fries when you can make kale and quinoa yes. in the same amount of time, or, which neither of us are actually doing. Or here though, like an even more moderate example, like why would you give your kids McDonald's fries when you have an air fryer at home and you can air fry them? That's so much healthier. Like 
Oh my God. My immediate reaction to you saying that is I want to be like, suck it. Yeah. Like, but there's a lot of that in there, family yeah, food media. Like, there is. And I, in food media in general. Yes. And I'm raising my hand here. So I don't want people to feel like I'm saying like, and now I'm enlightened and blah, blah, blah. Like it still gets me. It plays to me. I'm still susceptible to try to like leaning into that kind of content for myself and putting it out there for other people. So this is yeah. very much a challenge to myself. Because there is a person inside of me that's like, why would you buy the McDonald's when you can buy them? Air when you can make air fry air, air fry them potatoes. Yeah. And you know, I mean, partly I've I've my hand has been forced by Isaac, who as much as I feel guilty and feel like there's a lot of like diet culture stuff that was at play when I was raising him that I didn't realize was at play. And I worry that he's interpreted or like internalized, internalized that, that like, actually he's like, I'll tell you why you shouldn't air fry that doesn't taste as good. Period. I want McDonald's. (laughs) So I'm like, well, well, damn, you're kind of right. And yeah. And then like, when we get into the societal stuff, which ties to this like thing about Isaac saying this just tastes better to me. Not eating the McDonald's French fries is like, uh, the problem isn't people like Isaac eating McDonald's French fries because Isaac's only going to eat McDonald's French fries every once in a while. And his, he has access to lots of different foods, a variety of foods. He has access to like, I've talked to him about foods and his bodies and how food works and what it's good for nourishing, whatever he has. He has all the food privilege, all the food and privilege access. and access. Yeah. So I can guarantee you, even though I'm not a scientist or a researcher, that the amount of McDonald's this kid eats, even when I'm like full carte blanche, do what you want, is not hurting his body. I freaking guarantee it. And I think it's faulty science that will tell you otherwise. I listened to a great episode of the maintenance phase that unpacked Supersize Me, the movie. And they have a lot of science and data in there that's really, really interesting. And I was enraged that I found that movie powerful. And I'm enraged that at the thought that that movie is still shown in some high schools as like an educational tool. If you want to know what I mean, go listen to the episode. Yeah, we'll link to yeah. it for sure in show notes. And there's a couple other episodes which you've recently sent yeah. to me and you're like, you have to listen to these yes. because they relate to how we talk about food yes. in ge- just in general. Totally. Yeah. One on Michael Pollan that came out recently is excellent. Anyway, Isaac's going to be fine is the point. So what's really the harm in McDonald's? Really the harm that McDonald's is doing is to people who perhaps are eating it a whole lot and who don't have access to a lot of other different varied foods, in which case don't propose a personal solution to a systemic problem. Don't make those people feel like they are failing by choosing to buy McDonald's or buy McDonald's for their kids. If they're doing that to the point where it is harmful to their bodies and their children's bodies, probably they also have healthcare. Probably they don't have food access. Probably they live in a food desert. Probably they don't have enough money to shop at Whole Foods. So all these like personal solutions, all these people who are like, don't do that. Just buy an air fryer are talking to people of privilege. The people of privilege aren't the people who are being harmed. 
So really the harm is happening at a systemic level and like telling people how to eat and what lifestyle they should adopt is not a solution to systemic problems. In fact, it actually gives corporations and government and all the institutions that can implement systemic solutions a pass because they don't have to do it if we all feel personally responsible to eat air fried french fries instead of supporting horrible mcdonald's food right like the idea that soda and doritos are always going to be cheaper than fresh food and so be and and so much of that is because of like government subsidies because of food lobbyists it isn't be and it won't be changed by me and you and and even our whole listeners community deciding that we're not going to buy soda and chips anymore that doesn't fix the problem. Yeah, well, I would really love to think that we have a very diverse audience. My guess is that if you're a mom, and this is not universal, but like there's a whole bunch of privilege that comes with finding, didn't I just feed you, having the time and wherewithal and energy to be thinking about your job as the family cook on the level that we talk about it. Probably if your kid's drinking soda, again, they're not like slurping five supersize me sodas all day, or, you know, even drinking to the point at which it's a major health issue. You're already tuning in because you have the time care and about space. Food. Yes. To care yeah. about what your kids are eating. And that's a privilege. So your privilege is probably bleeding over into these other things. And your kid is probably not at high risk. There are, of course, outliers. The whole talking about it constantly feels like a privilege overstep. And I just want to have a little caveat here because I'm one of those people who really, I think everyone has a right to feel comfortable in their privilege and then to use it to be kind and make the world a better place. I don't feel like we should feel guilty about what we have. I think we should look at what we have and be honest with ourselves and then use what we have to live a fulfilling life for ourselves and to do everything that we feel like we have the power and wherewithal to do to support other people in gaining more access and privilege so that they can do the same. Yes. You know, that's... So I hope people don't feel like we're saying you should like, feel guilty. You're privileged. This is shameful. Never speak about junk food again. That's not where we're coming from. It's just like, I don't know that how useful it is. And like, is it really bringing it back to ourselves and back to something (laughs) like really practical? Right. Bringing it back to ourselves and like anybody who's listening, who can relate, not talking about it, then maybe gives your kids room to forge their own opinions, their own independent relationship with food without all of these qualifiers that ultimately can be really limiting, harmful, really, at the end of the day. Yes, harmful. Like this idea of being neutral towards foods is kind of like a new one. It's not, we're we're slightly different generations. I certainly wasn't raised that way. No one was talking about being neutral on food. I grew up like deep in oh, diet no. culture. So embedded. At the larger, like in the larger culture too, not just in my home. Same with you. You're a bit younger than me. 
this whole conversation about like awareness of diet culture and being neutral around food seems like a really new conversation in our culture. And gosh, it seems really freeing. I would really like my kids, I would really like it to take for them. And so, you know, we can get all heady about privilege and this and that. It's not to make you feel guilty or to say what you should or shouldn't do. Do what you want. But could it do some good for your kids to give them some freedom around food? Yeah. I think it might. I mean, yeah, I think yes. I think yes, too, which is part of why we're bringing it up. Yeah. And I think you said it's sort of like a caveat about privilege, but there's also this thing of like, this is a exploratory conversation for us. Like, and, And here's what's really interesting to me as an observation is that we did that listeners group exclusive where we talked about why we don't label things as healthy. Uh, We never use the word like, Oh, something is so addictive. It's like crap. Like those, there's language that we're like very clear that we don't use because it's judgmental. It's harmful. It's limiting all those things you just said. And yet we have in the, we, we are right now talking about fast food and junk food. Like, is it harmful? We don't, those are not on our no list, but maybe they should be on our no list. Yeah. And you know what else? Like, here's the, here's another facet (laughs) to complicate matters. The truth is, I'm just going to speak for myself. Air fried French fries are probably healthier than, than McDonald's French fries. If there's some like statistical way to quantify it, I could be wrong, but I believe that without seeing research data, I believe that. I believe that quinoa is healthier than uh, Taco Bell Chalupa Supreme. I don't know. I don't even know what that is. I mean, is that let's a product? Just even talk about a, a crunch wrap. Crunch wrap. That's, that's yeah, whatever. So fire. I would eat 10 of those right now. <laughs> you know, no, not that many, but yes. So like, maybe we can say it, maybe we will, maybe there are times where we feel confident about the comparison, but it's not moral. Like you're not a morally better person. You're not a better parent for choosing the quinoa over the Crunchwrap Supreme. And like, I guess that's the part that I really would like to get rid of. Like you aren't doing civic action by eating quote unquote healthier. You aren't a better civilian you aren't even necessarily a better steward of the planet. And that is a really big one that comes up, right? Like if you're vegetarian, you're a better steward. Like what, where else are you spending your money? How do you eat your house? How much do you drive? Do you have an electric? I mean, there's like a thousand things. So like plucking out the way you eat and having that be a way that you judge yourself or the way you judge other people, I call on it, right? I'm into it. So like, that is where I really want our language. Like, that's where I really want to watch our language, especially. Like, you're not a better person for not eating McDonald's. Yeah. Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share Home Threads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At HomeThreads.com, discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. 
head over to homethreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for Dinner and I Just Feed You, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. Home Threads, love where you live. That's homethreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. This episode is brought to you with support from Whole Foods. As a resident Greek girl, I am a sucker for Mediterranean flavors and want you to taste the Mediterranean too. Go to Whole Foods Market now and save on regionally inspired products through March 19th. Find sales on animal welfare certified meat, including boneless, skinless, air-chilled chicken breast, bone-in beef short ribs, ground lamb, and more. Save on whole bronzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon. And stock up on Mediterranean essentials like feta cheese crumbles, whole wheat pita pockets, and if you're over 21, wines from Spain, Greece, and Italy. Grab your ingredients and experiment with family-friendly Mediterranean cuisine today. Think Greek-style ground lamb pitas, lemony oven roasted chicken, or bronzino, or instant pot short ribs braised in wine. All simple and delicious. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. Isn't there like a funny Kardashians audio going around Instagram right now regarding watching TV? I feel that way. And I've ebbed and flowed on things like microwave cooking. Like there was a long time yeah. where like we didn't have a microwave. And I was like, we don't have a microwave. We eat every we yeah. heat everything on the stove. And then yes. I just feel like that was also bullshit. I want to talk bullshit. a little bit He's more a <laughs> about this idea that we've talked about before. Because we have the what I find to be the only episode of Didn't I Just Feed You, I wish we never recorded, oh my God, which is when is we talked, we've talked about this before. The weight loss episode, oh, yeah, yeah, we yeah. call it It's Okay If You Want to Lose Weight. And it's okay if you don't. And it's okay if you don't, which is actually that thesis statement is very true. We've talked about this with our listeners community before. Like, we both grew up enmeshed in diet culture. Uh, with our moms modeling that for us, but also like culturally, there weren't like the body Correct. positive people on the covers of magazines. Like that wasn't happening for us in our generations. But I think that that on either side of any issue, whether it's diet, whether it's environmentalism, there are these people who like, they feel so strongly, like I'm so firmly anti-diet and body positive. And then there are these people who are like, I'm fully into like, beach body and Zumba workouts. And like, I eat these supplements and like, I eat clean or whatever. Like they're like very much on the other end of diet I culture. Had and like stop following somebody recently. She's a very famous jewelry designer who's gotten into food and she is super rich. Her jewelry is worn by like Rihanna, JLo, everybody. She has, she lives in New York. She lives in LA. She was on a very, very, very fancy vacation with her teenager with a washboard stomach, she's real thin and she does all like no carbs, whatever, blah, blah. And she's with her son and she's like, why do I clean eat? Why did eating become such a big thing for me, even though I'm a jewelry designer? Because I want to be alive for this. And her son is about to go off to college or something. Yeah. But like, it was so twisted equating 
the way she eats with being like a better person who's going to live longer. And that makes her a better mom. She's using her son as a prop inadvertently. I don't believe that any of this was intentional, but I was like, oh my God, I have to not follow this. This is upsetting. I don't get sucked in very often. It triggered me because like, there is a part of me that wanted to be like that. You know what I mean? That like wanted to be like uber healthy and so hot and so rich and in a bikini at- You are so hot though. Listen, listen, you know what I mean? (laughs) And I was like, this is triggering me. So yes, on both sides, it gets so intense. Yes. And the reality is that most of us live in that messy ass middle. We are doing it imperfectly, uh, which is perfectly fine. And I don't like there's a, and well, maybe, and maybe the thing here is like, if we can stop judging ourselves for not like being so black and white about things, we also free up a lot of time and energy to like not judge other people, not waste time on that and spend our time in a way that either is like creating more change or is that, or is just leading to more contentment in our own personal lives. And I think that also the way we eat, if it isn't that extreme, really can't be plucked out of the rest of our lifestyle and life circumstances as a signal of how healthy a life we'll live or how long we'll live or how healthy we'll be as we grow old. Yes. I'm so glad you said that because I was thinking about the jewelry designer and how she's like, oh, we're going to all live and like, or I'm going to live longer. And like, none of us really know how much time we have. Also, you can afford to have like crazy interventions. (laughs) Like, yeah. A personal trainer, maybe. Someone who if you get you sick or the absolute yes. best healthcare that the world has to offer, like maybe that's why if you live longer, that could explain it. Yes. Also, like I don't know that it will make that much of a difference to me if I live to seventy-five versus eighty. If I feel like I really got to enjoy those seventy-five years, that's true too. And I guess like you know, feeling really proud of your body at 50 and feeling really healthy and vivacious and you have a thriving business, like that's great. I just don't know why we have a tendency to put the way we eat out there as such an outsized factor Yeah, in our successes or our health when that doesn't really bear out in the science. Like even like people who eat the Mediterranean diet eat better. Yeah, they've also found that like some people in Greece don't live as long as they do in Icarus or whatever island, which is where like people live the longest or one of the like four places, because it's not just the diet. It's also like the nature of the community and the environment and the weather and the like everything, 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 everything. It's not just the way we eat. The way we eat is not alone anything major. And can we talk about orthorexia and the fact that I know someone in my family who shall name a named, but everybody can probably guess who eats religiously quote unquote healthy foods and has had health problems because there's no diversity of diet, doesn't get enough calories all the time, gets migraines, 
a whole host of health problems that I believe come from their diet. Some that even the doctor has affirmed come from their diet. They eat everything they eat is quote unquote clean and healthy. More health problems than me. Yes. There's something I read in the diet, which I've talked about many times, Carolyn Duner is the author who wrote that book as being influential. And that, and that be like having read her book after we recorded our weight loss episode and being like, Oh, I got so many things wrong about this. There is some research that like suggests that one, first of all, there's like the base thing of like, there's so much like hereditary influence, privilege influence to like, what is your baseline? for health and you know the idea that weight and how your body looks is not always an indicator of health but this really interesting research that whether you eat french fries or you eat kale if you derive pleasure from either of those experiences you're actually getting more nutrients to them so it's like this advocacy of like enjoying what you eat taking the shame yes away and the stress away from eating or, you know, this idea of like eating clean or eating like super dirty. I don't know. Like, what is that? What is the opposite? I mean, it's junk food and fast food is what people would say is the opposite. Doesn't really matter as much as like eating a variety of food, liking what you eat and like not, not being stressed about what you eat. And it comes back to this whole conversation around access to and privilege and the systemic issues, which is like, there's a lot of stress for people who are on a fixed income where they don't have food access and a lot of worry that's only perpetuated when food media is like, oh, it has to be clean. You can just air fry potatoes. And they're like, I can't like, where am I? I can't even afford an air fryer from Walmart or Dollar General. Totally. Totally. And I think that's what brings us back to why we felt compelled to have the conversation too, is because even if you go eat fast food, right? Like that's not the point, whether you eat fast food or you don't eat fast food, that's your personal choice. My mother fed me fast food once a week, but I still have that guilt and shame in my head because the implicit message that was reinforced by the way she talked about it, by the way that she food shopped, by what I had access to at home sent a different message, right? If we want our kids to not have that message, it really doesn't matter if we're saying yes to McDonald's or no to McDonald's. It really matters like how we're living and what our attitude is. So like this bears reflection, I think, because kids figure it out and read between the lines. Yeah. And they get the message. Even if you give them McDonald's, if you think it's quote unquote dirty instead of just food, they'll figure that out. Yeah. And then they carry that with them. This is one of those that I truly would love as I know, like people are like, oh, I don't want to sign up for something else. But like, we would really, I would really love people in the free community to, to like have a conversation about this. What would, what would food media look like? What would didn't I just feed you look like if we didn't like have a laugh about Isaac eating Doritos and zebra cakes at night. Yeah. And also don't hold our feet to the fire. (laughs) (laughs) We're a work in progress. I know you don't like looking back at that weight loss episode. I really love that we have it because it's without having that on 
tape, which makes me sound like I'm ancient because what's tape anymore? But you know what I mean? Without having like a record Um, of that. Pixels? Yes. Without having a record of that, I don't think I'd be able to see how I've changed and what my kind of arc is. And like, I like kind of documenting my journey and this is just a stop on it. This isn't an end point. I certainly am not enlightened. I have a lot of things that I say that I force myself to say that still in my heart feel like I feel conflicted about around like weight and food and qualifying food and what's healthy and what's not healthy. So we're just having this conversation you know, they're a little meandering and we don't, we're not always sure that they're helpful. So we don't have them too often. This is not really a typical didn't I just feed you episode, but every once in a while, kind of touching base on this stuff is interesting and helps us see how we grow and change. Yeah. So, uh, and not for nothing, there will be a what we're cooking and eating now episode later this week. So if you felt if you're like this wasn't helpful, useful, promise there's a meal plan. Okay, but they already now. <laughs> <laughs> so I I call bull- I'm kidding. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I'm kidding. But I agree. I would love to hear from our community. Do you find this helpful? Do you like it? What's your stance on it? And also. If you feel like you're kind of reflecting on these things too, for whatever reason, and you've found resources that you like or that you think we'd enjoy, share them with us. We don't just want to be a resource to you. We love when our community is also a resource to us because we're just a part of the community too. So you can join for free at didn'tijustfeedyou.com backslash community. Or if you want those bonus episodes, join our supporting community. You can also keep in touch with us on Instagram where we are at Didn't I Just Feed You or by signing up for our newsletter. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you get your podcasts or if you're already a subscriber, hey, just leave us a rating and review if you haven't. Just share us, whatever. We'll take we'll take any cookies you'll give us. Any crumbs. A huge thank you to our editor, Samantha Gatsik. I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Stay sane and well-fed until next week. Be sure to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you're listening. And don't forget to rate and review.